0: The topic for tonight is the Holy Spirit fact versus fiction. And we have two in this series, two really core verses that are actually going to help us um, as we go through this series. And the first one happens uh, is Acts chapter 17, verse number 11, and let me just read this to you. It says, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And just to to give you some background here, Paul was preaching in Thessalonica and the people kind of rejected him and they caused trouble and controversy and they asked, and to the point where Paul left Thessalonica and they caused this big uproar and he had to leave. But the people of Berea, the Bereans, were a lot more receptive. And it says here, uh, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Here's the key thing that they did notice. It says they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And this is one of these foundational scriptures because regardless of who it is, and, and, and that's me or any other preacher or teacher that you listen to, it is so vital that you don't just take what they say at face value. Not that they're trying to deceive you or, or steer you in the wrong direction, because that's not, I'm not saying that's their goal. What I'm saying is be prepared to search the scripture to see if what they're saying is the truth. Um, you can even do that with us. We have no problem with that. Don't just take what I say at face value. Search the scriptures for yourself and see if what we're saying is the truth. We have no problem with you doing that. And if you find something that we've said that may not be true, because um, we're, we're, we're human, we can make mistakes, or uh, let us know and we'll be happy to address it. So that's not a problem. So, so that's Acts seventeen eleven. They search the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And then here's the other foundational um, verse that we're going to use for this series. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims, notice the words there, to speak by the Spirit. In other words, what, 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 what John is saying here is, Just because someone claims to be speaking under the influence or because of the influence of the Holy Spirit, don't just believe them because they say it. Notice what he says after that. He says, you must test them to see if the spirit they have comes from God. Why? For there are many false prophets in the world. And so I want you to be mindful of this, that just because someone says I'm speaking by the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean that. God says, test them to see what spirit that do they actually have. Is it the spirit of God or is it some other spirit? Now, the goal of these sessions and the goal of this series over the next few weeks is for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is, according to the scriptures, and to understand how he works in the earth and in the lives of men, both believers or unbelievers, according to the scriptures. And I believe understanding this is one of uh, the most critical elements of your walk with God. And we want you to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Because here's a fact, folks, Whether you, uh, you may not have heard this before, but here's the truth. The Holy Spirit gets blamed for a lot of stuff that he has absolutely nothing to do with. And so we want to understand who this Holy Spirit is and how he works. And by the way, later on in this series, um, I'm not sure if it's next week or the week after, we'll figure that out. But we're going to spend a portion of time talking about how do you actually test the Spirit? Or the spirits, okay? And so we want to we'll we'll show you and and walk you through uh, how you actually do that. Okay, so let's 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 dig in. And my first thought is this: Have you ever heard this one before? And oftentimes you may hear this if if someone does something that's a little uh, different or out of the norm or out of the ordinary, and you might hear someone say this: The Holy Spirit told me to do it. You ever heard anyone say that? Um, you know, I was doing this. I was going here and, and the spirit led me to do this or the spirit uh, uh, led me or, or told me or instructed me or guided me. And again, I'm not saying that they're, what they're saying is not true, but I'm just saying that this is what people have said before. And typically when they say this, there are two things that they're really saying underneath the, the, the surface of, the, of what they're saying. Here's the first thing that they're usually saying. Don't blame me. It's the Holy Spirit. So if someone goes off and does something that's a little different or a little crazy or a little out of the norm, they'll say, don't blame me. It's not my fault. It's the Holy Spirit. So we want you to be aware of that because that's kind of what they really mean. Or, or they'll say this. Um, the other thing that they mean is this. Don't question me. It's the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes what people will do, and I've seen people do this, they will do something, and if it doesn't go over, maybe, or they don't get the response that they want, they'll just blame it on the Holy Spirit. And what they're saying is, don't blame me, it's him, or don't question me. You know, I'm just doing what the Holy Spirit told me to do, so don't ask me any questions. Well, I want you to remember something. Remember this. 1 John 4. one. Notice what... Remember, just a reminder. This is one of our foundational scriptures for this series, dear friends. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, but what test them, because there are many false prophets in the world. Okay, so all I'm saying is, remember, we have the right and the obligation, I believe, in some cases, to test what people say and do, especially if it gets outside. Of the ordinary okay we have the right to do that and again we'll, we'll, we'll share with you how you how you do that um, as you uh as we go forth later in this series now our desire for this series is simple we want you and, and this is really our desire for the bible study club period is we want you to become mature holy spirit filled followers of christ who properly handle the scriptures, because I simply believe this. If you become that person who not only is full of the Spirit of God, but who properly handles the Word of God, then you can become extraordinarily effective for the kingdom of God. And that's why we want you to become mature, full of the Holy Spirit, properly understanding and dividing the scriptures of the Word of Truth. Okay. So let's do this. Let's throw this question out. And here is the first question of the day: Who is the Holy Spirit? And, and the reason why I want to start here, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the one thing I want us to do is simply agree on who we talk, who we are talking about. In other words, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And so this is why I am laying this foundation so we can all agree that we are talking about the same person. You know, my father and I, um, we both happen to have the same name. Um, He's senior and I'm junior. And so sometimes on Facebook, what would happen is people would uh, see the name Clarence Haynes and they would start talking to him or reach out to him or reach out to me. And they're reaching out to me thinking that they're talking to him or vice versa. And so, um, you know, without recognizing that, oh, wait a second, that's not the father, I meant to find the son or so so on and so forth. And so we wanna make sure that we're all on the same page because everyone who uses the term, the Holy Spirit or even Holy Spirit, everyone who uses that term, they're not all meaning the same thing. And so we wanna define who he is. So when we have this conversation, we're talking about the same person. So right off the bat, let's do this. Let's address him by his full proper name, if you will. And his full proper name is this, God, the Holy Spirit. Yes, folks, he is God. He is, there's God the Father, we know that, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's often referred to as the third person of the Trinity, and by the way, here's where that come from comes from. Just so you know, uh, Matthew chapter twenty-eight, verse nineteen says, "Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of what? The Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit." So within the Holy Spirit, He is one hundred percent God. He possesses all the attributes of deity. He is eternal. He is omnipresent, means he's present everywhere at the same time. He is omnipotent, meaning he possesses all power. He's omniscient, meaning he knows everything. Um, And he is co-equal to the Father and the Son, co-eternal with the Father and the Son, and co-existent with the Father and the Son. So when we address the Holy Spirit, it is okay to not just say the Holy Spirit. It is proper or uh, or if you use this full proper name to say God the Holy Spirit that is absolutely okay all right because that's who he is now let's not just say this let's look at scripture to to understand this and and bring the point to life all right so here's the first scripture we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 and 18. I notice here, it says, now what? The Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, Um, right? So wherever God's presence shows up, God brings freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from who the Lord title who is what the spirit okay so this is one scripture in the new testament equating the title of lord right and that's all caps right the title of lord with who the spirit of god here's another scripture if you look at the book of acts chapter 5 verse 1 through 4 here's what it says it says now there was a man named ananias together with his wife sapphira they sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? So who did he lie to? He lied to to the holy spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the lamb didn't it belong to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied to just to human beings but to who to god you see so we see the equation here ananias lied to the holy spirit Um, later on, Peter says, you didn't just lie to men, you've lied to God. So if you've lied to the Holy Spirit, and you've lied to God, then if A equals B, what, A plus B equals C, I forgot how that equation goes, but they were lying not to men, not just to men, but to God, in this case, God being the Holy Spirit. So we know right off the bat that the Holy Spirit is God. He possesses the deity of god okay so it's important very important scripture to understand very important established right off the bat um because not everyone believes uh that the holy spirit is god and i'm talking about within the canon of uh hopefully everyone who's a uh, a bible believing christian would would profess that but there are some organizations out there where they won't believe that the holy spirit is co-equal and and co-eternal and co-existent and and god himself all right what's the next thing we've established that the Holy Spirit is God, right? So he is technically or properly addressed as God, the Holy Spirit, all right? So whenever you use that word, the Holy Spirit understand you are talking about God. But here's another thing, this is important. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not just some impersonal force or or some electricity that gives you this buzz? No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit is a person. Like I said before, he's often referred to as what? The third person of the Trinity. And we've already looked at one example in Acts where we see here that uh, Ananias lied who? To the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is a person because you can't lie to a force. You can't lie to uh, electricity, you can't lie to a, uh, a non-person or non-entity. So I can't lie to my TV, for example. I can't lie to my computer. Uh, I can't do that stuff. I have to lie to a person. But there's some other scriptures that display, if you will, the personhood, the, 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 the person nature, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. Here are a couple of them. Acts 8.29, what does it say? The Holy Spirit did what? Said to Philip go over and walk along beside the carriage. You see a, uh, someone who is not a person does not have the ability to speak. Now, yeah, we live in a technical age and we have these computerized things and all that kind of stuff, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, someone who is not a person does not have the ability to speak. Also, Ephesians 4.30, notice what it says here. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God but seek to please him by whom you were sealed and marked, branded as God's own for the day of redemption, the, full, the final deliverance from the consequences of sin. That's in the Amplified Version. And those do not grieve. In other words, do not cause sorrow to the Holy Spirit of who? God. Do not cause sorrow. Right? A person who, as someone who is not a person, you can't cause sorrow to I can't cause my computer to be sad. I can't cause my cell phone to be sad. I can't cause a book to be sad. Why? Because those are not persons, but someone who is a person. I can grieve them. What does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit has, what, emotions, all right? But also what it says here, but seek to what? To please him. How can I please someone who is not a person? So it is important to establish right off the bat that the Holy Spirit is is God and the holy spirit is a person okay so let's do this now let's go all the way back to the very very beginning and the very beginning i'm talking about is the beginning in genesis so let's take a look genesis chapter 1 verse number 1 and 2 here's verse number 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth. Now, the word for God there is Elohim, right? And so right off the bat, God introduces himself as Elohim. So the word is attributed to God's great strength and God's great power and authority, God's ability to create. That's in Elohim. Now, what's fascinating about this word Elohim is that it's actually a plural form of a word called El or Eloah, and so what what Elohim actually indicates is that it's a singular. It's a, a plural form. Now, whenever they use this verb or this this um, word in the in the Old Testament, they always used it with a singular verb. So here's here's what God is doing. God is. One God, there's the singular part. However, there is this unity and diversity within the nature of God. So there's this one God, yet there's a plural uh, nature of the singular God. I want you to grab that, all right? And so this unity and diversity, this plural nature that we understand, we, we understand as it unfolds in Scripture, to be the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But yet right off the bat, the very fourth word in scripture is God is opening the pages. He says, in the beginning, Elohim, the singular God with this unified and diversified or plural nature created the heavens and the earth. Now, the word Elohim, that's like I said, that's the plural word. The the singular form of that is El or Eloha. Eloah, rather. And sometimes we'll see this in, in, in words that you, you may have heard. For example, El Shaddai is God Almighty. Um, El Elyon is God Most High. El Emuna is the faithful God. However, we'll also see this in names too. For example, Elijah, right? That's my God is Yahweh. Or Israel, that's the one who wrestles or struggles With God or Daniel, God is my judge. All right, so that's Elohim right in the opening pages of scripture. God identifies himself as Elohim. And then notice verse 2 Now the earth was formless and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep. And who do we see? The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, that word in the Greek, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, is ruach, which means the breath or the wind or the spirit of God. But here, right off the bat, first entrance, introduction to God, we see he is Elohim, singular God, with a unity and diversity and a plural nature. And who do we see at the beginning of creation but the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, hovering over the waters so the holy spirit was there at creation responsible for creation now here's what's fascinating about that if you look in scripture you'll see god created the heavens and the earth you'll see in in john 1 and it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and by him all things were made and nothing was made that has been made right so we see god present at creation we see Jesus, the Word of God, present at creation, and we see the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, present at creation, all responsible for creation. Um, take a look at this verse in Job chapter 26, verse 13. It says, His Spirit made the heavens beautiful, and His power pierced the gliding serpent. So the Spirit of God, equally, remember, co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent, each one is equally responsible for creation. And we see that right off the bat. And when you understand Elohim, then Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 makes a whole lot more sense. In that scripture, God said, let us, right, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make human beings in our image, the singular God with the plural nature, to be like us. And think about this for a moment, folks. If you think about um, your nature as a human, notice we are one person, but we have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. So there is a triune nature in a human being because we are made up of body, soul, and spirit, And notice what god said let us make human beings in our image to be like us one god three persons father son holy spirit and we know right off the bat that the spirit of god was present at creation right there the very opening pages of scripture here's something else we'll see genesis chapter 6 verse 2 it says and the lord said my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time for they are an only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. So what we see here is the Spirit of God contending with humans and the morality of humans. And so what we have always seen from the beginning, very first uh, uh, opening stages of creation to going forward, is that the Holy Spirit has always engaged in the hearts of men, The Holy Spirit has always existed in the earth, and He has operated in the earth and always been engaging with the hearts of men. In fact, when God is displaying His power in the earth, this started from creation until now, the power that He demonstrates is by the Holy Spirit. And what's fascinating is though, even though in the New Testament, there's a greater emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, the truth of the matter is that the Holy Spirit, as we know, has always existed, he's coexistent, and has always worked in the hearts of men, men and women in the earth. In fact, God's engagement with mankind, it, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, was done by the Holy Spirit. There was one exception. When Christ's ministry began on the earth for that period of time, Um, That was the one time where I believe the Holy Spirit did not engage with men in the earth during that three-year period of Christ's ministry. Why? Because during that period of time, God was present in the earth in bodily form. In other words, God has always been engaging with men from the very first man that was created up until this day. He has always engaged with the hearts of men, either by the Holy Spirit, or by the presence of Christ God in the flesh. God has always been engaging with the hearts of men in the earth. Okay. Something else we know, that the Holy Spirit is also an author. That's correct. He's a writer. He is the author of all scripture. Take a look here. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God breathe by the way the word there in the new testament is theonoustos right uh in, in the new testament in greek the word for um breath or spirit is pneuma so all spri- scripture is theonoustos the breath of god the inspiration of god coming out of the mind of god right or the uh, the will of god in a sense and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness all scripture God breathed coming from the breath or the wind or the spirit of God and then in 2 Peter we see above all Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20 and 21 above all you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So prophecy, scripture did not come out of the human mind or the, it didn't originate in the human mind. It originated from the mind of God And it was breathed or inspired by the spirit of God. And so men wrote as they were inspired by the breath, the pneuma, the theonoustos, the breath of God. That's how scripture came to be. It is the creation or the the writings of the spirit of God. God just used men to, to accomplish that. Okay. All right. So now let's take a look at the way the Holy Spirit operated in men in the Old Testament. We know he's always been married. We we know he's always been engaging with the hearts of men. So let's see how he did this in the New Testament. And then as we go forward over the next few weeks, we'll start looking at how he engages with the hearts of men now in the New Testament era. So Judges chapter 3, verse 9 and 10, it says, but when they cried out to the Lord, he raised up for them a deliverer. Othniel, son of Canaz, uh, Caleb's younger brother who saved him. Verse 10, notice, the spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord came, gave cushan Rishathim, hopefully I'm saying that right, a king of Aram into the hands of Othniel who overpowered him. So what do we see here? The spirit of the Lord came upon, get that, came upon uh, for help to help him accomplish this task. We'll see this again in Judges 634. It says, and the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the uh, Abiezrites to follow him. So in the Old Testament, what we see is the Spirit of the Lord, as it says, they're coming upon them. And the word there uh, means to put on, or to wear, or to clothe, or to be clothed. You know, we're, we're in fall now, we get ready to go the winter. And one of the things you do in winter is what? You put on a coat to go outside. Why? Because you're addressing the elements and you wanna make sure that you are protected from the elements. And so when you go outside and it's really cold, you'll put a coat on. And what that coat does is it protects you while you're out. It helps you manage while you're out. But well, then when you come back inside, what do you do? You take the coat off. And that's kind of how it happened in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person to help them accomplish a task, accomplish a goal, accomplish a mission. Whatever that mission was, whether it's to, to defeat an enemy or to write scripture or, or to prophesy, whatever that mission was, the, the Holy Spirit would come upon that person. They would com- accomplish that mission. They would be clothed in the Holy Spirit. And then once the mission was accomplished, they would take the clothing off. Okay, so And that's how, that's how the Holy Spirit operated in, the, in men in the Old Testament. He would come upon them. They would accomplish a specific task. And then when the task was completed, the Holy Spirit, that clothing would, in essence, come off. Here's what we also see in, Holy, in, in the Old Testament. Uh, it says, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. This is Judges chapter 13, verse 24 and 25. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord, notice here, began to stir him while he was in Mashanadan between Zorah and Eshtayal. So what we see here is the Spirit of God stirring up the heart of men, the hearts of men. And he's done that in the Old Testament. Um, again, from the beginning, he's always uh, done these things. He would come upon men, he would stir the heart. Why would he stir the heart? because he's trying to, to, to direct a specific action, to move them in a specific uh, uh, direction that he wants them to go in. In the book of Psalms, verse 143.10, we see, "'Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit what lead me on level ground.'" So we see the spirit uh, coming upon to empower. We see the spirit stirring up the heart. We see the spirit leading uh, in a direction that he wants to go. Now, here's another scripture. Um, by the way, interesting enough, in, in Psalm 51, I didn't include this one, but uh, David in that famous prayer, one of the things he said is what? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay, so um, so this is, again, the Spirit come upon for a moment and be gone. Okay, Luke chapter one, verse 35 it says the angel answered um and i know i said old testament but remember this is before christ came so as, as luke was writing this but notice again the angel said this is to mary the holy spirit will do what will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you so the holy one to be born will be called the son of god so before christ this is how the holy spirit engaged with people. He would come upon you, overshadow you, help you accomplish a specific goal or task that God had for you to do, and then at that point, the clothing would come off, if you will. But then we see something very interesting in Ezekiel. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26 and 27, and I actually call this the foreshadowing, and this is kind of going to set the stage for where we go forward. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new, notice, spirit in you, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, verse 27. And I will put, what, my ruach in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I will put my spirit in you. And here is, I call it the foreshadowing because this is written in Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And as we see going forward in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit would come upon you and and overshadow you. but in the New Testament, as we be as we will study, this is the foreshadowing, God says he would put his spirit what in you. And that's the awesome part of this, okay? So let's kind of recap as we kind of bring this session to the close and 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 the reason why again, I wanted to do this. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, remember we are all talking about the same person. So we've identified that he is God, he is 100% deity, he is co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. We also have identified that he is a person, not some impersonal force. We also know that he is present, he was present and active. In creation, in the opening stages of of creation, we see God, Elohim, right, this singular God with a plural nature, present, the Holy Spirit, hovering over the face of the waters. We also know that he contends with the hearts of men. He works in the hearts of men. Um, We know that he is the one who demonstrates the power of God in the earth. That's the Holy Spirit. He is also, as we identified, the author and the originator of Scripture. All Scripture comes, what? God breathed, theonoustos, from the breath of God, inspired by the Spirit of God. And he, in the Old Testament, we see that he overshadowed or he came upon men. And in the New Testament, we will see as we go forward that he would now dwell within the hearts of men. And we'll we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that going forward next week. And remember our two key foundational verses, our core verses for this whole series. Acts chapter 17 11, the Bereans, what do they do? They, they search the scriptures every day, day after day. I encourage you, do the same thing. Search the scriptures, identify in scripture who this Holy Spirit is and test everything that I've said. I have no problem with that because that's what John says. Don't believe that everyone who says they are speaking by the Spirit don't believe everything that they say. Test them to see if the spirit that they have is from God. And so, folks, with that, we're going to wrap up this session in the Bible Study Club. And we will see you next week as we continue diving deeper into this whole the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.